you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I'm so excited to chat to you today. Today, we are talking all things postgraduate nursing studies. And Whilst I'm talking about nursing, it applies across the board. Now, before we dive into that, just in case you hear some background noise, my neighbour is deciding to play Glee at full pelt, which I'm secretly loving, but just forewarning, you might hear some Leo Michelle in the background. If you don't know what Glee is, you're probably too young, but that's fine. Let's dive in. So, postgraduate nursing study. I feel like I can talk about this topic because uh, I am a an investor in my brain. I invest in my brain heavily. I spend a lot of money on my skill and growth development. And I have found that postgraduate study is something in Australia that is encouraged, which I think is awesome, versus where in the UK where I used to live and work, it was something that was like almost held for like the senior of the most senior nurses. And it wasn't overly accessible and it wasn't really required. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about it. Now, what have I done? I did my bachelor's of nursing back in 20, oh my God, 2011, I graduated. Um, Oh my God, it feels like a lifetime ago. And then I did a mentorship for healthcare professionals course, short course through the University of West London, which was like a certificate in Australian equivalent. And then I did a postgraduate course in um, critical care and higher dependency nursing. And I loved that. That's when I just started to move into ICU nursing and HDU, and I absolutely adored that. Again, through the University of West London before I left the UK. And then when I moved to Australia, I upskilled with a couple of things, a couple of short courses, advanced life support, CN advanced life support, ALS life support. And I did my CERT, uh, CERT 4 training and assessment through Calvary. Actually, they paid for that whilst I was working for them. So that's my first top tip is make sure that your employer maybe has a program where they can pay for your training. Wouldn't that be amazing? And if they don't, ask. You never know until you ask. And then from there, I moved on and did two masters. And I'm a fool, but in true high performer style, I did two masters at the same time whilst working full time in a very busy clinical nurse educator job. So that was a full-on experience, but I want to tell you a little bit about that and then what I think about postgraduate study and where you should start to explore potential pathways for yourself. So I did my Master's of International Public Health 
and a Master's of Health Management through the University of New South Wales in Sydney. I did it all virtually. I was living in Canberra at the time. And the job that I had at the time, I was actually working in the ICU. And this is maybe one of my first top tips is don't do a qualification because you absolutely detest your job and you want to get out of it. It's a long-ass way to keep yourself stuck with an employer for a long time whilst they were contributing and paying a portion of it. So I don't recommend that you do that. I recommend that you apply for postgraduate studies because you genuinely are interested in the topic. Now, whilst I was, it had this undercurrent of, I need out of here. It was the worst intensive care unit that I've ever worked in. And that's my personal opinion. I'm allowed to have it. It was very unpleasant. I went from full-time to part-time and very quickly, and I had no need to be part-time, but I just literally was struggling so much there. So anyway, I started studying there. I did my Master's of International Public Health, Master's Health Management. Not really relevant to intensive care. A lot of people screwed their faces up. A lot of people were like, why aren't you doing a postgrad in intensive care? And I'll talk about that in a little minute or two. But my experience of doing the Master's online virtually and picking something that was non-clinical in a sense, international public health, and then clinical slash leadership health management allowed me to give myself lots of options. And that's probably one of my key takeaways is that it's very important that whatever you do decide to study, that it gives you options. It doesn't box you in. One of the challenges in building a nursing career is as you build and specialize, you feel boxed in. You're not boxed in, but you feel boxed in. For example, building an ICU career and you're in ICU for five years and you do your master in ICU, like where to from there, right? Like CN, CNS, CNC, NAM, ADON, DON, maybe outreach, you know, like clinical nurse specialist, nurse consultant, all of the things. It's a great pathway, but most people believe that then they're so specialized, they need to stay in the stuck. So that's why I personally think that a lot of high performers probably are better off with a broader degree that is more applicable. Now, that's not to say that your Masters of Critical Care or your Masters of Nursing specializing in ICU is not broad and cannot be applied elsewhere. It is a myth. It is a common misconception. And that's why I felt compelled to talk about it today to show you that regardless of whatever certificate you get, you can use it for wherever you want to go. But if you are somebody that wants to build your career and build your leadership and your education skills and you want to serve on a higher level throughout the nursing profession and step up the ladder, these broader degrees, these Masters of Healthcare Leadership and Management, Masters of Business Administration, non-clinical. Some universities actually offer an MBA that is health-focused, which could also be super cool. So I think when you're thinking about post-project qualifications, think about, do you have that inner desire to be in a leadership position in the future? Can you see yourself, because normally we can, see ourselves in these higher-level positions where we're making a change and an impact across the organization or across the facility, or across a team, or a specialty, if that is you, I would say go for a broader qualification, okay? So that's why I did my Masters of Healthcare Management. I chose the Healthcare Management Masters because I had this, like, inner knowing that I was going to be in leadership somewhere, somehow, and I just knew that I had a higher calling. Not saying working on the floor wasn't a high calling, I'm just saying that that was my higher calling. I felt compelled to do that. So I absolutely loved studying the Masters for Healthcare Leadership and Management. It was so applicable to healthcare. And immediately as I started learning about change management, 
transformational leadership policy, which sounds boring, right? But I absolutely ate it up and it really set me up for success in my jobs. It allowed me to very quickly see what is wrong with the industry and why we have the results that we have today. We are like literally just not set up. We are promoting people because they're great clinicians, but they're not good leaders. I genuinely think that any nurse unit manager should have some form of leadership management business qualification. First and foremost, it is a business. And when we believe that it's like this, you know, like Mother Teresa unit and we save all the souls and we do all of the things, even in the public sector, it's not that. That's why I think we have such burnout is because we don't see it for what it is, which is a couple of million dollar business that needs to run efficiently and it's an operation and it's all about change management and leadership and culture. And without foundational knowledge in all of those areas, I personally don't think that you should be looking after a team. That is my personal, very polarizing view because you can be a great clinician. It doesn't mean you're going to be a great manager. So I I digress, but my Master Healthcare Leadership Management set me up for success. That qualification allowed me to stand out from the pack when I went for a clinical nurse educator job because the person that I went up against didn't have it and I knew them. I got a CNC job because I was actively working in that area. I got a CNC NAM job and I was also backlisted, listed for a backfill position. I never actually did the position, but for ADON um, and after hours manager in a hospital setting. But where it really offered a lot of value was as I built my career, I started to be able to offer so much at different levels. I was chosen to be part of a hospital-wide accreditation preparation committee. And I was sitting there in the room with the CEO and we were brainstorming and we were trying to operationalize and collect data and use quality and safety and really think about how we could prove that we've committed to these uh, safety and quality guidelines. And it's had super boring, but for me, it was so exciting. And all of that came through during the qualification, the Masters of Healthcare Leadership and Management. Now, I want to caveat this with the fact that you do not need a master's to get a CNC, an ADON, a DON, even a friggin' CEO position. You don't need it. Maybe a CEO, you do need a master's of business. That's probably a lie. But the rest of them, you don't need it. I want you to look at the job adverts and be honest with yourself. And where it says desirable, it means it's desirable. It's not essential. Don't let your brain trick you into believing that you need it in order to apply or else you're not going to be looked at. Simply put, if there's somebody like me that comes along with a qualification, I might have an extra couple of brownie points. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it. You might be the best, okay? So give yourself permission to always apply and do not think that you need the qualification in order to get the job. That applies to every nursing role across the board. Of course, you need your degree, your RN undergraduate degree, your EN degree, your certificate. You need all of that, but the rest, you don't need it, okay? Apply without it and you will be shocked, my friend. It is a desirable thing that they look for. Now, my master's in international public health was fascinating. I studied things like international public health in Afghanistan and the impact of healthcare on women and children in Afghanistan in developing countries in the global south. I did papers on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and exploring how interesting they are as an organization. I shouldn't say too much because they might come for me. But yeah, very, very interesting and how I find out that they are actually one of the biggest contributors at the American government and also the World Health Organization. So they have a lot of clout in the world that maybe I didn't know about as much before I did this work in international public health. And it was fascinating for me to see how their agendas matched WHO and how it strongly influenced it. We looked into the Ebola crisis and we looked into global pandemics. I also studied bioterrorism and health terrorism, which was super cool, very interesting. And look, I never genuinely had a desire to work in public health. I just was fascinated with different countries, different systems, how 
the world works in terms of healthcare and how people survived in different countries, like learn about the Sustainable Development Goals, I learned about the WHO, the UN, UNICEF, what all these companies are doing. I went to Fiji on an internship, which was paid for by the Australian government, and I worked in a third world country, Fiji, you know, like I worked rurally in Fiji with amazing NGOs, WHO, the UN, UNICEF, and all of that came through that experience. Now, when I finished my degree, I was like, adamant I'm going to work in public health and I did try and apply for a couple of jobs but I was in Canberra at the time there wasn't a great deal of work available and it is very competitive I didn't really pursue it and I don't think I probably ever will I did have this vision that I maybe work at the WHO or something like that but I just realized that it just wasn't the kind of career that I wanted but I still don't see that as wasted time or wasted money I thoroughly enjoyed the experience I learned so much and it just opened my eyes and the number one thing it gave me was like gratitude for the system that we have. When I went to Fiji and I worked in Fiji, that was just a whole different ballgame. MIPH, MHM through UNSW, both things that I did. It took me two years. I did it pretty much nearly full-time whilst I was working full-time because hashtag high performer, you know, if I'm not burning out, no, I'm kidding, but I did burn out a few times and it was really awesome and I do believe that that helped me build my career, but it's not essential. It's like an added extra the cherry on the top. So for you, what are the benefits of potentially doing a postgraduate certificate, diploma, degree, master's, PhD, all of the things. Now, I'm not going to cover PhDs because I ain't done it. But my partner did a PhD. He studied um, dairy farming, the impact of dairy farming in India, of all places. And he uh, did a PhD. It took him like five years. It was a hard work. But, you know, now he's a doctor, doctor, quote unquote. You on YouTube can see me, quote unquote. Not a medical doctor, not with a medical salary. I digress. But he did a PhD and it's it's a lot of work. Hey, but I think you need to have a calling of a friend that is doing a PhD at the moment in infection control. And she she just, just, it's in her bones. She's like, I need to do a PhD. Good on you. Enjoy. Not for me. So um, PhD is not going to be covered here because I've actually done an episode on that with uh, Jed Montaigne, who has done a PhD in nursing. Go and listen to that episode. So the benefits of you doing a postgraduate study include the following, right? You can specialize in the field. You can advance your career and maybe open the door to more opportunities. And you can also increase your earning capacity. Okay. Now I say all of these like gingerly because you can do all of those things without a postgraduate degree. Pick a postgraduate degree that you want to study, not one that you think will get you to the goal. Pick one that you know will get you to the goal because all of them will. You heard it here first. All of them will, but pick one that is gonna you're going to enjoy because you're going to be doing whilst you're working part-time slash full-time and it's a lot of work. Okay, so you have to have a passion an interest for it, and you have to be able to see how it applies to the future of healthcare, okay? And a lot of you will take these free ones up through work, and I don't have a problem with them. I think they're great. There's a lot of amazing unis that offer them. Just think about the masses. Think about everybody else doing them. If you really want to set out, set yourself out from the pack, then make sure that you go out and do the thing that you really want to do, and you go to the uni you want to go to, and you just make it happen, okay? Now, you can get more money. Most organizations, if you are somebody that has got a postgraduate certificate, diploma, or master's, and you haven't claimed your allowance that's outlined in your EBA in your state and territory, what are you doing? Go and get your extra 30 bucks <laughs> or whatever it is and make sure that you're adding that onto your pay. That is a nice little incentive, but when people tell me they're doing a master's for the extra 30 bucks a week, I'm like, you could do an extra shift and you don't have to worry about that master's. Like, do not do a master's or a sour or a dip just for an extra 20 bucks a fortnight. It's it's silly. Now, challenges, considerations when you're thinking about 
master's, postgraduate certificates, diplomas. Now, one thing I wish somebody had told me was, Liam, be strategic about how you do the modules, okay? What I mean by that is, if you go in like me and you're just like, I'm going to do a master's and then something changes in your life, like, I moved interstate, what do you do? Like, how does it all fit in with your life and how does it all align? Now, at one point, I was like, okay, I need evidence that I've done a grad cert. I think I was trying to get the extra 20 bucks because I was like in Debbie Dinerland and like, I need the 20 bucks. So I emailed the uni and they were like, oh, you haven't done the foundational modules yet for the, the masters that actually allow you to get the certificate. So there was like four modules that were dedicated to the certificate, then four modules that were dedicated to the diploma, and then there was like two extra modules that got me the master's. If you don't follow it in sequential order, don't be surprised if they won't give you a certificate to prove that you've done your grad cert. Really hot tip there, because let's say something happens in your life and you want to pull out. If you pull out and you've only got two like, sure, you'll get credits towards something in the future, but if you don't have, the like, the two or the four that they need you to have done to complete the grad cert, you're not going to get a grad cert, okay? So just pay attention to that, ask all the questions when you apply, and make sure that you get that clarified. I think that some people prefer the approach where they go in and they do the grad cert first, then they up-level to the grad dip, and then they go up to the master's level. Again, that is an awesome way to do it. For me, it was just a little bit like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to commit to it, I'm going to just book it in and make it happen, but I wish I had been more strategic in setting up and picking my modules. They were all there for me to pick, but I picked the ones that I liked. That's my other top tip. Do the modules that you maybe don't think are going to be such fun at the start. For example, when I did international public health, epidemiology and statistics, and healthcare economics were a pain in the ass. They were horrific. They were the worst things that I've ever studied in my life. And it broke my brain and had multiple tanties and meltdowns. <laughs> However, I left it to the end. So that's the problem. I left them to the end and then I had both of them in the same semester and it was hell on earth. Okay, so don't do that to yourself. Put on your big girl boy panties and do the thing that is hard first. Yeah, time commitment. Don't underestimate the time. Now, I know these days we've got that thing called ChatGPT. I'm not endorsing that you use that at all in any way, shape, or form. I would never, ever say such a thing. But just consider how much time it is actually going to take. A lot of people overestimate how many modules they can do whilst they are working full-time or even part-time. If you've got a family, you've got kids, you've got pets, you've got all of the things you're traveling. I say a good place to start is usually like one module. So you can do a Liam Cray Cray, like do three modules a semester. I did drop down one and then find out if your uni has the option to um, do like a summer semester. Uh, I actually a couple of times went on site and did uh, two weeks and I did a module in a week and that was amazing. I mean, it cost me money to go up to Sydney for the week. But again, it was a nice excuse to go to Sydney, catch up with some friends and do a module Monday to Friday, be in the room, learn all the things, meet some new people and smash it out of the park. So that's how I was able to get two masters done in two years. Um, financial considerations. So just think about the cost. Think about other Commonwealth-supported places available. Honestly, I said earlier, like, if you want to, like, stand out, go to a different uni that other people go to, honestly, they probably won't even notice. Most panels don't even understand qualifications because they haven't done them themselves. And um, that's not shade. That is 100% truth and factual. A lot of these programs that I see people paying thousands of dollars for that they think is going to increase their chances, most organizations don't even bat an eyelid at, like, leadership programs and all of these things. They don't even look at them. So you're doing it for your own sake. Don't 
confuse yourself or cage yourself that you're doing it because you're going to get a promotion, most organizations don't pay attention to that, okay? Think about Commonwealth-supported places. If you're an international nurse, think about getting your permanent residency and your citizenship before you actually go in and do your master's or your postgraduate qualifications. Remember, you don't need them to apply for a promotion. It's just a nice little cherry on the top. And the other thing is make sure and see or see, explore curiously, Will your organization pay for you to do it? Could be a friggin' awesome save for you or even pay some of it. And one hot tip here is just make sure that what you pay demonstrates to the organization how you are going to like kind of repay the debt almost, right? So when I did the Masters of Healthcare Leadership and Management, I kept selling it to the organization saying, I want to be a leader in this organization. And I fulfilled that. I did that. And I, I worked as a leader and I contributed. Remember, your organization wants to have people like you that are hungry for growth and development, and they might be able to throw some money at you, okay? Don't take no for an answer. Keep pushing, check the website, check the internet and take it from there. And then the, the final challenge consideration here is work-life balance and making sure that you really think about or schedule your time so that you don't burn yourself out, so that you don't end up resenting your qualification. I coach a lot of people at the moment that resent the qualification that they are working towards and it be, has become such a hindrance. And I think it's for a few of the reasons that I spoke about earlier. They never wanted to do it. They felt like they should do it. They could do it because it was being offered, so therefore they, they're doing it, and they just never had a passion for it. So don't do that to yourself, because it's just going to make life really, really difficult. Allocate yourself some time. You might be, I had a friend in Canberra who probably doesn't listen to the podcast, but was so good at finding loopholes in the EBA. So check your EBA and see if there are any loopholes around study days, days to be released, Maybe you can even take a sabbatical, like you can take a bulk of time off. Maybe there's paid study days to go on site and do your week in the summer update for the modules like I talked about earlier. Get creative, okay? Don't just assume you're going to slug your guts and do it in your own time. And if it's super relevant to your workplace and it's contributing to the growth of your team and your your area and you're giving back, ask for it. I, I know some of you are going to like send me messages and say, well, we have no time. I get it. Like, but sometimes there is time. Sometimes there are downtime, like downtime moments on the wards. I know, touch wood, like, let's hope you get more of them. But negotiate with your employer. Like, maybe there is a day that's quiet, or maybe you can have two hours in the afternoon to go to the library and do something because you're going to present it back to your team. Just get creative is what I'm trying to say here so that you can balance your work life. The other thing that I want you to do is use your calendar. If you're not using your calendar like your time planner at work and you're not scheduling out your week ahead of time, I'm going to do an episode on this in, in the coming weeks, you are probably wasting a lot of time right? Just even think about today, how much time did you spend on social media? Not to shame you because I've also done the same thing, but we got to be real with ourselves, right? When we say we don't have time to do a postgraduate qualification, but I looked at my TikTok today, I've saved over a thousand videos on TikTok. How many hours do you think it took me to make those thousand videos? Oh my goodness. So just pay attention to that and I'm going to teach you more about time management in your personal and your professional life as we move through the next couple of months. I have shared my story about my growth and my experience. I really found it to be deeply beneficial. I also found myself in rooms where I was probably the most on paper qualified 
And I know that there's a lot of mutterings in the industry around people being too young in their career and then doing a grad cert or a grad dip or they're studying and specializing too quick. Listen, you guys have been around for long enough. You know that I say do what you want to do. Do nursing on your terms. If you have a pool and you are so desperate to do that Masters of Advanced Nursing practice because you really want to do it and you want the, ha- the knowledge and the skill depth and all of the things, knock your socks off. Don't let anybody ever tell you you can't do it. Make it happen. Okay, everybody's always going to have an opinion, right? Especially if it makes them look like they've done less. Whether or not they want to do it or not, they're still probably going to have some brain drama around it. That's not your problem, okay? So really think about what is it I want to do and run with that story. Gather all the information. Another top tip for you here is actually asking the people that are in the jobs that you want to be in in the future, how did they get there? That's why I set up this podcast. I was so curious to hear about once I realized that you didn't need half the things that I went out and got because I thought I needed them once I realized that I was like hold on a second you can get a director of nursing position you can have five years experience and you don't need a postgraduate qualification it's a desirable and you can be making 170k if that is what you desire right not everybody wants that but there are other pathways there are other short courses there are other CBD providers that you can do to upskill that don't cost you half as much will take you half as much time and still get you to the goal. Maybe, just maybe, you will do, you'll apply without the qualifications and you'll get the job and then they'll pay for you to do it. How good would that be? Right, that's the dream. That's the goal. So um, I mentioned a couple of people, a couple of things that I've heard on the grapevine. I work with a lot of people that do Masters of Advanced Nursing Practice. I recommend if you are wanting to get into leadership in any way, shape or form, be that ADON, ANAM, NAM, you know, you don't need it, like I said earlier, DON. But if you really see yourself moving up the chain, then I would strongly suggest that you do some form of Masters of Healthcare Leadership slash Business Management slash Health Related MBA. I think it will be what people will be looking for moving forward into the future as healthcare becomes more business orientated. And we need people at the forefront in healthcare leadership that can actually lead teams efficiently, right? None of this like crap that's happening right now. We need people that can do all of the things. And a master of healthcare leadership, an MBA will equip you with those tools. If you want to be a CEO, you definitely need an MBA. Uh, Health related probably would be super beneficial. If you are looking at education, like masters of education would be a great option. Master of advanced nursing practice would be a great option. Of course, there are specialty options across nearly every specialty and discipline. So explore all of those. Get creative. Have a little Google. Jump on LinkedIn. Ask people, what did you study? How did you get here? And then just see what lands best for you. Listen to your gut and go forth and conquer. And upskill yourself if you so desire. And for those of you that have listened to this and you're like, you know what? I don't need it. I don't want to do it. Like Liam's just told me that I don't need to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it and apply and see what happens. And if they're real sticklers and it's a job that you really want and they turn around and they say, hey, you need X, Y, and Z, go and get it and make it happen. The last little example I'll give you here is don't think that because a job advert says we need you to be an NP or you need to, this is a good one, you need to have done a PhD or be working towards a PhD before we'll consider you for a lecturing position, for example, or a casual academic role or even a nurse practitioner program or position, take that with a pinch of salt, okay? I want you to investigate, explore, call the manager, apply, and see if they will take you as you are. I know many 
many, many of your nursing lecturers and many of your postgraduate nursing lecturers that do not have masters, that do not have PhDs. Some of you will be like, what? What's going on here? Trust me. Some of them are amazing. They're, they're highly skilled. They've got all of the things. And I'm not saying they're not amazing because they don't have the things. What I'm saying is don't be fooled by the job description. You can still apply even though you don't have the thing. We felt somebody recently that's not an NP get an NP role and they're putting her into a traineeship for NP because she was so awesome. Amazing. So good. Right. And then I've worked with people that have gone and worked at universities in casual academic or academic roles and they don't have a master's. They're working towards it. They don't have it yet. Right. They don't have a PhD. Maybe they've got a grad cert. Don't let that rule you out of the job application process. Remember, it is nine times out of ten a desirable requirement. Okay. I will see you in the next episode. I would love to hear from you all. What do you think about this? What will you go and pursue? What will you study? What are you thinking about studying? Come and tell me. Let's riff on it. Let's give you some ideas to think about what you could study if you really feel drawn to studying. And let's work out a career pathway of what could be possible for you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But until then, I will see you next week in the episode, next Tuesday. Uh, Stay safe, stay forever curious, and I'll chat to you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm so privileged that you spent your time with us here today. Hey, can I ask a favour? If you know someone that would benefit from this podcast episode, please share it with them. The more you share, the more we get in front of amazing nurses and we're able to help them see that nursing on their terms across their career is totally possible for them. So I'd love if you could do that. Now, I will see you in the next episode next week. Until then, let's make this year the year that you nurse on your terms. Are you ready? Let's do it.